It's Wired, the Pistons podcast, presented by Jeep. Here's your host, Matt Derry. I welcome in, everybody. It is another edition of Wired. Thanks for joining us as we get you ready for this next week of Pistons basketball. The Pistons podcast is Wired, presented by Jeep. My name is Matt Derry. Coming up in a little bit, Tim McCormick will join me, the voice on Fox Sports Detroit, the pre- and post-game analyst. See him all the time in the studio, whether it's uh, with Mickey York or John Keating. Timmy Mack, the Clarkston grad and former NBA big man, will join me in a little bit to discuss the state of the Pistons, the trade deadline, where he sees this thing going. As the time of this recording, Pistons are 21-28 and and have four games left before next week's trade deadline. If you missed last week's show with Ed Stefanski, the Pistons' senior advisor and kind of the head of the front office, Ed kind of mapped out where the team was, and uh, Tim will bring us some great insight. I think he does a great job on Fox Sports Detroit, and he's been a good friend for a, a long time. So we'll talk to Tim McCormick coming up in a little bit. A little commentary first before we get Tim on here. Pistons will be at home on Thursday night, uh, the time of this recording, to face the Dallas Mavericks, Luka Doncic and company. Uh, fresh off a win that they had against the Knicks on Wednesday night. Tom Gorris is in town. The uh, The Pistons team owner spoke to the media in kind of a scrum on, on Tuesday night uh, at Little Caesars Arena. And, and we're at a crossroads, folks, as Pistons fans. I'm a fan. You're a fan listening about where this thing is headed for this season. Because as Ed Stefanski said uh, last week, I don't think they still know what they're going to do next week, February 7th, when the trade deadline comes. Are the Pistons going to be buyers? Well, Tom Gore has said the other night he has a buyer's mentality. And, and, and are they going to be sellers? Where they look up and say, this, this current edition isn't good enough. Uh, we're not in the playoffs right now. Currently two and a half back of, of the eight-seeded Charlotte Hornets, three back of the seven-seeded Miami Heat. And the team sits seven games below 500. It's been disappointing. All right? It, it, it has been. But I think the big question is going to be who's going to make the call and what that call is going to be. And I think this team has got to have a direction and they've got to be transparent with the fan base about what that direction is going to be. And they've got to come up with that, I think, in the next week. Uh, you know, Mr. Gorse made the point of saying the other night, quote, we want to win. Nothing's changed. We want to make the playoffs. To me, the future is a little bit about now. Everybody can decide what they want. I just think we have enough here. You do really have two all-stars with Andre and Blake. But he also went on to say that we have work to do and that Dwayne Casey just got here. So which is it? End quote for, for what Tom Gora said. Which is it? Because if this team feels like, well, uh, we have to still make that decision and we don't want to mortgage the future, which both Goris and Stefanski said to me last week, then maybe you've got to think about selling some pieces. Finding a desperate team that is trying to contend or is in contention and is looking for a shooter. Look, I think the Pistons, and you guys know this listening, the Pistons don't want to trade Reggie Bullock, but he's going to be a free agent after this year. And if this team is is you know four games to go before the deadline, if this team's still hovering around six, seven games below 500, and you get a team that's willing to give you, albeit a late round first round pick for a guy like Reggie Bullock, I think you have to do it. You know, Indiana is desperate for a point guard now that Victor Oladipo is out. And I know Ish Smith hasn't been healthy, but what if Indiana calls you about Ish, Ish Smith? Um, you know, Stanley Johnson's going to be restricted, he's underachieved. Let's call it what it is. He's got talent. 
but he's underachieved. What if a team feels like a change of scenery and they've always liked him and they offer you something for these guys? I understand that Tom Gorris wants to show his fans that, that they want to win now and, and they they do have an all-star in Blake Griffin. I'll disagree with, with Tom on Andre Drummond being an all-star this season. Andre's been an all-star, but I don't think he, he's deserving this year. Not that he's not a good good basketball player. He leads the league in rebounding. But, you know, I think this organization, with, with, with Tom being in town, they've got to they've got to get their heads together, everybody, and make a decision on where the, where they're going to go with this and let the fan base know. Um, because they're hovering around a spot where there's just so much uncertainty right now. And it's been disappointing. And Blake Griffin has been unbelievable, and he's been incredible. And he calls out his teammates in the postgame last week, and that that's something you want to rally around. But if this group around him is not going to work, then I'm not saying blow the entire thing up, but they've got to change some of that dynamic, and that opportunity comes this week. Our way overdue having this guy on the podcast right here on Wired, brought to you by Jeep. You see him on Fox Sports Detroit a lot. Uh, analyzing things on the pre- and post-game shows. was in the NBA for eight years, uh, working for the Players Association as well. It's our buddy Tim McCormick joining me now. What's up, Timmy? Hey, Matt. Good talking to you. I know, brother. It's been it's been too long. How you been? Really good. I'm enjoying both college and NBA basketball. And, um, you know, just want to be optimistic about the team, about the Pistons and where they're going. A lot of work to do still. But... Yeah, you know, they they have some good pieces to build on, and I I remain optimistic. When you look at the club at twenty one and twenty eight, and, and everybody's talking about it, Tim, four four games before the trade deadline, uh, how do you how do you see the big picture right now with this team? Uh, it's a challenge because you know some of their pieces have value, but let, let's let's walk through it. You know, Blake is an all star and. Everybody would love his production, but you, you don't want the contract. And Andre and Reggie, same thing. Good value, but their contracts are going to be really hard for anyone to absorb. Um, Reggie Bullock is, is an outstanding shooter. Luke Kennard is a good shooter. But for a team that is 29th in three-point shooting, do you really think it's good to get rid of your shooters? Um, you know, Langston Galloway and... Uh, you know, his production is, is a positive. He can put points up in a hurry, but he has been inconsistent. Ish Smith has been injured. I, I just, I look through the roster and think, you know, I, I like, I like the potential of some of these guys, but I just don't see how you can give away your, your, your shooters and get better. So I, I, I think they're in a precarious situation for sure. Yeah, they really are, and I talked about it before you came on here. It might be time, especially with with with, with Tom Gorris being in town last week or this past week, and um, you know Ed Stefanski, who I like a lot and had on the show last week. You know, a decision has to be made pretty soon, does it not, about the direction of where they're going with this? Because you you can't keep this same roster. But again, if you add, are you going to give up your first round pick and? Um, you're right. It's it's a different. It's a difficult spot, but they probably need to make a call on this pretty soon, don't they? They do. They they definitely do. And I I believe they'll make some type of a move. The apathy is at an all time high from the fan base, and I, I am not in favor of trading your draft pick unless 
you can have a, a transformational player that that's going to fit in with with what Blake does. However, you know the, there are other teams around the league that are saying, "Yeah, we want to get better too," and we're not going to give you a piece that has a bright future just so we can help you out. You know, everybody is everybody in some ways is giving up their problems for your problems and and that's hard to get better in a hurry through a trade like that fox sports detroit analyst tim mccormick joining me here uh you mentioned before about giving up a pick i i asked ed about that last week and he said you know they they really don't want to do that but if it was somebody that could come in and help them you know the the names have been out there guys like dennis smith jr or mike conley uh you know Bradley Beal, but I don't think the Wizards are. They, I don't think they're going to want just one pick. They're going to want more than just that. Um, you know, do you see moves out there? I know you talk to people around the league all the time. Do you see a move out there that could involve that pick, or, or are you one to say, "Hey, no way should they be moving that after moving last year's pick"? Well, I am. I, um, I mean, you brought up Dennis Smith Jr. and you know Dallas has has appeared that they want to make that move. So for a young player that has great potential um that that's the scenario where you could say all right we could move the pick because the pick would be a a, a young unproven player that's going to take a lot of time but but you're willing to wait because of the youth well dennis smith is that guy um you know he he has shown that he can be a scorer and does not seem to fit in well with luka Doncic. so you know that's a possibility um, but to give up your draft pick for Mike Connolly, who's over 30 and had an Achilles last year, that doesn't make as much sense to me. So the only way that I would recommend giving up that pick is if you're getting back a young, young player with a bright future that that, that can help you um, immediately. So there aren't a lot of those guys out there, but you, you brought up Dennis Smith. I think he's one of those guys. Is it simple enough to say, all right, the team is twenty-one and twenty-eight going into going into Thursday's game at the time of this recording here? Uh, is it just simple to say that that Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson just have to elevate their games and, and be better? Is it is almost like if you had to put one thing up on the board and say this has to happen for 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 us to go to the playoffs that that those two just have to elevate their basketball games right now? Well, both of those players are are capable and should get between 30 and 35 points every game, regardless. Um, that's what good teams do. They have their second, third scores that are, are reliable and consistent. A lot of times they don't get enough touches, in my opinion. And, and Matt, re- remember when Will Bynum was with the Pistons? Oh, good, oh, and, good Lord. And, yeah. <laughs> the one thing that he did to energize Andre Drummond is he ran that middle pick and roll and two or three times per half he would throw a lob to Dre and that just seemed to elevate him. Andre Drummond to me is capable of being a reliable post score and and so I'd like to see him get the ball more often. Uh, a lot of people say well he's not a, a good post player. I disagree. I think he I think he can score in the low post. He needs touches and opportunities and and build that confidence. And, and once again, Reggie Jackson has shown that he's capable. He had 25 in their last game. And, and I, I thought he was very aggressive and very confident. So I know he could do it. So do you. We've seen it. But I, I think that, that maybe just running more offense through them may jumpstart their game a bit. 
I can't believe you brought up the Will Bynum experience. Uh, that was a that was a classic uh, back in the day. <laughs> well, I just I keep thinking back. Because yeah, I, I don't think yeah. Will Bynum Will Bynum was not a great player, um, but he made Andre better because he had a skill and and he got into a into a rhythm with Andre that that showed me wow he you know they're capable of so much more. Andre has really good hands. Um, if you post him up, he's got the ability to pass the ball. And and I just think that's that's a, an area of their offense that they could expand on. Tim McCormick with me. All right. On the flip side, like you said, Blake Griffin is is kind of running a point forward in this. The game has changed so much just from recently, from when you played. Uh, not that you're some kind of dinosaur here, Tim. You and I are about the same age. But let, let's talk about you know where this is going because with, with with Dwayne Casey, I think it's been smart that he's kind of put the ball in Blake's hands. Don't you think, or or do you think it does? Uh, now wear on him and also on the other guys for standing around. What are your thoughts on that? Well, Blake has has had a magnificent year. He's been so reliable. Uh, my favorite thing is his leadership. He's taken ownership on bad days, and he's he's been encouraging on good days. Uh, and and I just I, I hope he can stay healthy. I, I think that LeBron and Blake Griffin. And probably James Harden, too, have the most workload of anybody in the league. The amount of physicality that they need to be able to to carry out their game plan. Um, He's also a really good passer. But I will say, and I don't think it's Blake's fault, that when he is really rolling, everybody's standing around watching. And, And we see that with James Harden, too. Uh, it's, it's one of those things where, um, they're making plays for people, but if I'm playing the Pistons right now, every time Blake gets the ball, I would send two guys and and make him pass to guys that have not been hitting shots. Is that why they're losing? Is that why this team is is seven under five hundred? Because it's just a matter of you know Ed Stefanski, Malik Rose, Pat Garrity, the folks up up in the front office just have to surround Blake Griffin with more shooters. No, I, I don't think that's the only cause. Um, I, I believe this team defensively allows too many straight line drives, not enough help defensively in the paint. Uh, the Pistons typically get outscored points in the paint, which I think is a very important statistic. If you play better defense, you're limiting some of those layups that build confidence and make outside shots even more prevalent. Um, if you play better defense, you, you force misses and steals and you block shots and that jump starts your fast break. I think, I think that's, that's a big issue as well. Where are you on, uh, on Luke Kennard and, and, and what he's done so far? And obviously it's not his fault. It's almost similar to the Eric Ebron thing with the Lions. It's not Kennard's fault. The Stan Van Gundy led Pistons drafted him ahead of, uh, of Donovan Mitchell. Uh, but where are you in his development right now? Well, I'd like to see more consistency. He, uh, he he has a number of games where you think, okay, he's found it. Um, you know, he's he's a great shooter and he's he's tricky. He's smart. He he really can be an important piece. But on their recent road trip, to to see him struggle to find shots and and, and lose some of his confidence was was a little bit disturbing. And and I think that that's the next step where he becomes that reliable 
15 point per game score off the bench and he's totally capable of that and i expect that that down the stretch this year that that he will continue to to, to develop his game but the consistency has to be a big part of luke Kennard's game would you move him would he would he be part of a, a deal or, or do you feel like you know that's that's a that's a that's like trading a first round pick yeah i i absolutely do not want to trade Luke Kennard. I think that he has a future here. However, when we talked about it earlier, you know, you have to throw out the, the, the trade scenario before I can say absolutely not. You know, if, if you can add pieces that, that, uh, that, that make your team a, a legitimate playoff team right now, then I, I think you look at every, everything on the table. Organizations talked about making the playoffs. Uh, like I said, the owner in town talked about it on Tuesday. You look at it, there are some fans, Tim, that will say, all right, so let's say we get eight or seven and we'd have to play Milwaukee or Toronto. But as a guy that's been in playoff series and has played in these games, what, what would that mean for some of these guys to get in those those types of, of activities? They'll only be in two and a half back right now, that eight spot. Well, there's a lot of players on this team that have never experienced the playoffs. And I find it hard to imagine that you can go from from being a non-playoff team to a, a legitimate contender. It, it just doesn't happen. You need to get to the playoffs first. Um, let let the young guys experience it. If you win a game against Milwaukee or Toronto or Boston or Philly or whoever you might play, that that's a major step. Uh, the Pistons have not won playoff games in in you know almost a decade. So it's it's something that that the team needs to get there. I think they're they're good enough. I look at I look at Brooklyn and Charlotte and Orlando and Miami and all of those teams and I don't believe they have more talent than the Pistons. Um I I I think that I, I've been expecting a run for most of the season where they rip off four or five when seven of eight, you know, if, if they do that, I think they're capable of that, then, then all of a sudden the playoffs become more realistic. That's interesting because I know you watch games even when you're not on TV and when you're away from uh, Little Caesars Arena. You, know, you, you use Brooklyn as an example. That's a team putting up about 112 points per game. And we talked earlier, Timmy, about just how much the game has changed. There's just some nights where, you know, and I'm not saying I, I'm, I'm tuned into to Ian Eagle and Sarah every night to watch the Nets, but. They they really can score it, and there's some athletes on the wing, and I, I don't I don't see that on a consistent basis with the Pistons. Uh, you know, as as a comparison, what about you? Well, the ball moves around really quickly with Brooklyn, and D'Angelo Russell has had uh, a phenomenal year, and Jared Allen, you know, injured right now, but has had a good year protecting the rim. Um, and you know, they've they've lost players, Levert, Dinwiddie with injuries, but they have other guys stepping up. Um, shooting is such an important catalyst for your offense nowadays. It creates spacing, um, having, having big guys that can move around on the perimeter. It's just, it's, it's a fun system. And, and I, I think that Kenny Atkinson is one of the rising stars in the coaching ranks. Uh, his, his style of ball, his attention to detail, he, you know, he has his guys attention for sure. And I like the way they play. All right, Tim McCormick. What about Dwayne Casey? We I didn't even, we didn't touch on him a little bit, but bringing that kind of professionalism that he does, and, and obviously he's not coaching the roster that I think he he fully wants and, and how it is uh, for him down the road. But 
What has he brought to the table that maybe they, this organization hasn't had on that sideline? Well, I, I wouldn't say they haven't had it because I, I was a stand back on the fan. I, I would have liked to have played for him. I think he, I think he probably should have been just the coach and not the president. I think that's, that, that spreads a coach thin. I don't, I don't even have any idea how you do both jobs. Um, but with that being said, Dwayne Casey is phenomenal at managing his roster. Um, I, I keep hearing build a culture, develop winning habits, compete level. You know, his goal is to build something that is sustainable and, and he's, he's doing it the right way. Uh, he and Blake seem like kindred spirits. They, 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 they have the same goal, same plan. And, and I, 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 I think that he, his number one strength to me is positivity. He's very optimistic. Post game press conferences. I always hear him with, with, you know, he, he pulls out the positive things that happen. I'm sure that in the locker room, you know, he's getting on guys. He's, he's intense and, and, and demanding, but he protects his guys in the media. Um, he always has a positive light. And I, I think that the Pistons are indeed fortunate to have him as their head coach. Is there a coach that uh, you played for that maybe you see some similarities uh, with, uh, with Dwayne? Uh, you know, he, he wasn't as good of a coach as Dwayne Casey, but I always felt like Willis Reed when I was with the Nets was, was a very positive guy. Um, our team was horrible, but he always, you know, he was always encouraging and, and demanding behind the scenes. Um, so I, I, I think that, that he, maybe Lenny Wilkins, um, was, was that way as well. Man, you played for some good ones. Uh, no, no question about it. Tim McCormick with me. All right. League wide, Tim, we look at the East and how, and I seem to be like repeating myself every week on this podcast, but it's like the top five, the middle five and the bottom five, and the middle five can only have three of those teams go to the playoffs. So when we talk about jockeying for position and the Pistons being at the time of this recording, two and a half back of Charlotte, and then you got Miami. So they're only three back of seven. Um, when you look at those middle five, should the Pistons be there at the end of the year, at least at least in that upper tier uh, and in the playoffs, when you compare the, the, the teams where they're kind of fighting with Miami, Charlotte, Washington, and, and, and uh, Orlando? Wow, that's the question. That, that's the, the one I don't have an answer to. But I will say this, that my biggest concern for the Pistons, and we've heard Dwayne Casey say it all along, that we have good shooters that make shots in practice that just haven't shot well in games. I find it hard to imagine that if you're 29th in, in field goal percentage, 29th in threes, not very good in assists, is that something that can just turn around with the same players? Um, I have my questions about that. And, and so if you, if you would tell me that the Pistons would start consistently knocking down threes, um, higher field goal percentage, better ball movement, then I'd say absolutely. I have no hesitation, but we haven't seen it yet. And until I see the ball going through the hoop at a higher level for this team, I just, I don't know if you're going to be able to, to, you know, make a dramatic change, uh, the Nets are not going to, they're, they're not going to get worse. And, and Charlotte, they, they have good role players and, and they're going to win their share of games. So 
It's going to have to happen on the defensive end and better shooting for the Pistons for them to make the playoffs. Final thing, Tim, we're not used to having a superstar here um, that is, is you know, stepped up his game. And obviously the Grant Hill days, he was really the last star. I know we could argue all day about Rip being a superstar, Chauncey or any of those guys, but that was really such a team. Now there is a focal point. There is a guy that has the ball in his hands a lot. There's a guy that's putting up monster numbers. Do you think the city and the fans are aware of just of how good and how, how much of an effort Blake Griffin has made this year? Well, you know, Blake Blake Griffin is is in danger of being Matt Stafford, um, where you know a, a really talented player, uh, somebody that that cares about winning and wants to lead, is playing on a losing team, and and Detroit fans are not about spending money on on a, a losing product, and so I do believe that if the Pistons win games. The fans will come out. Um, Blake Griffin is is a, a great, great player. He's better than I anticipated. He's having a better year than I anticipated, and and I feel bad that that the wins have not been a byproduct of his, his elite play. Um, but that's that's the reality of Detroit sports. You're not going to go see the Tigers losing 100 ball games a year but all of a sudden if you turn that around a little bit then you have a chance to to have an unbelievable product and blake will get the rewards for sure if that happens yeah, as a clarkston guy and a guy that's lived here most of your life you you, you get it you understand it's uh it's been a rough time these past couple of years in this city for all the teams it's kind of crazy how that happens it, it is and and i remember being a, a you know a, a young kid living on the east side of Detroit, listening to George Blaha call the games with Bob Lanier and Dave Bing and John Mengeld and Willie Norwood and you know Curtis Rowe and all of the guys, they they did not have a following as 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 good as those players were, but all of a sudden at at the Palace and at at the Silverdome, I, I remember sitting in the third deck. My first date I ever went on was in Section 305 at the roof at the Silver Dome, watching you know the the, the first years where Kelly Trapuca and and then Isaiah Thomas and they kept adding pieces and it was really exciting to watch the transformation of a franchise and I I will always remain hopeful that the Pistons can do that again. That was your first date. My first date ever. Yes. <laughs> Matt, I already respected you, man. But uh, t- taking the date to to the dome—that's pretty sweet. Uh, it was the I mean, it was three dollars that, that you could get in and watch NBA basketball for three dollars. And I, I probably did that fifty times throughout <laughs> high school. Tim, great catching up, my friend. Keep up the great work on Fox uh, Sports Detroit. It's good seeing you again. Always good talking to you, Matt. Thanks for having me. Tim McCormick, uh, Fox Sports Detroit, eight-year NBA uh, veteran, works at the Players Association, does college basketball for ESPN, and we thank Tim for giving me some time. Uh, Very candid, uh, very open, and and really enjoyed that. And I'll say this about Tim McCormick, who's who's a Michigander through and through, and a guy, of course, played at Clarkston High School, and as he said, grew up on the east side of Detroit. 
I, I, I love listening to Tim, and I could listen to Tim talk all day about the game, and he's around the players. The thing that, t- that people don't realize about Tim is that his work with the Players Association means that he checks in with players on other teams when they come into town. He's down there courtside talking to them, making sure that everything's okay with them as, as the NBA Players Association does to protect their players and, and take care of them. And, and uh, so Tim talks to everybody around the league. He knows what, t- what other players and what other executives, what other coaches are saying about the Pistons. And Tim's just like me and like all of you. He wants to see a better product. Uh, and, like, and he talked about fan apathy a little bit. We do need to get more people at Little Caesars Arena. We do need to get more people listening to this podcast and, and talking Pistons basketball. And it's pretty simple. It does come with, with winning and success on the floor. And, and, you know, there are some good things here. I mean, Blake Griffin has been a godsend. Dwayne Casey is is an upgrade on the sideline than what the Pistons had. And uh, they, they just, they got to figure this out. But I think they've got to do it uh, this, you know, the next week and decide what direction they're going in. And I think, I think the fans have got to have some faith, too, in, in what Ed Stefanski's doing. Uh, Malik Rose and Pat Garrity. The, Malik Rose is a guy that other, other organizations wanted as general manager. Pat Garrity interviewed for the Bucks GM job a couple of years ago. He's been a candidate before. Um, so I, I, I'm hopeful that uh, the ownership group allows this front office to maybe do what they think is best. And if it means making some moves... And getting rid of some pieces to get some draft collateral, this this current roster has not worked. Bottom line's the record at 21 and 28. We'll see what they do in the coming weeks. All right, thanks to Tim McCormick. Thanks to you guys for listening. My name is Matt Derry, and this has been Wired for another week, brought to you by Jeep.